Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Hall and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. And here we are. Hello, Patrick. How are you doing, my friend? Good, Jeff. How are you? Yeah, I thought I'd try that out. I didn't know a good way to segue. I'm like, yeah, we'll just do it this way. Yeah. <laughs> you know me, always trying to keep it fresh. Yeah. So keep keep them guessing. Like how? Yes, always. Yep. Yeah. How are we doing this today? Yeah. There you go. Probably one that won't be recommended again, but <laughs> it's all right. We'll just try something new. So. You doing okay, my friend? Doing all right. Room's a little warm. Again, I'm in that cycle where the air is not circulating, so it's a little warm. Mm-hmm. That's why I had to get some water before we started recording, just there in case. Go. Yep. Okay. Um, but doing pretty good. Okay. You got your uh, your six gallon jug of water with you? No, I do kind of downgrade it to my downgrade. Okay. Okay. I actually drink more downgrading. It's crazy. Okay. Yeah. How about I guess that? I'll, I'll keep the the gallon one for like um, road trips and whatnot. Yep, there you go. The nerd in trap. There you go. So, how was it having not having a Marvel show to watch <laughs> this week or, or to talk about? I mean, it wasn't too weird. bad. It's kind of weird though. Yeah, it's different. We still got a, a couple more weeks for What If. Mm-hmm. So, but. You know, it's just that, like that meme, like once you finish a series and you're just sitting out and nice, just, just waiting yeah. for the next thing. It's like, come on, I'm ready for it. Yeah. Um, but speaking of Marvel, speaking of that, I was watching this um, video of, of one shots that Marvel mm-hmm. did. Then there was some uh, series of videos I'd never watched where they had these newscasters where I think it was the reporter from the first Iron Man and they had just different different segments that they had aired yeah. back in 2015. I'd never watched them. So I watched those and um, they were interesting. Cause like the little ticker at the bottom was giving you like some details and things. So I watched it first, just watching the whole thing. Then I went back and read all of the little ticker that rolled across the bottom and some interesting information there. So I, I started to post it so people can check it out for those that might have missed yeah. it. Okay. But I kind of wish they do that. Cause it kind of tied things together. Had an interview with Scott Lang when he was about to get out of jail so I oh, tied okay. into Ant-Man. It's like, all right. It felt real. It felt like CNN or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. I guess it would be CNM. <laughs> right. CNM. CNN. CMU. CMU. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Give me some news. There you go. Oh, my goodness. So... I finally finished my book, my Andrew McCarthy book, Brat, as uh, as I've been kind of going through. I just hit the computer with the book. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, and by just finished it, I mean, I finished it like 35 minutes ago. Yeah. Um, it was a very fascinating read. <clears throat> and really give really gives you some insight into basically what actors kind of, I mean, 
Well, especially this, you know, with an 80s actor, I guess I should say young, especially a young one. Yeah. And when you have, you know, they're basically, if you think about teen movies and how they kind of, I don't want to say started, but how they became more frequent. Mm-hmm. They're riding off the coattails of like Animal House and movies during around that time. And they're like, okay, we need more young, younger kid, you know, comedies or younger kid dramas because we want to. Not even younger kid. I mean, I guess to us now, but yeah. basically high school and early college age, and we want to see what their wives are like and what they, you know, situations they kind of get in. Whether it's you know, a lot of them are fairly comedic. Um, but some are more you know, kind of drama based yeah, and kind of have a little more meat to it. And, you know, this book really kind of focuses on someone who's likes to keep very much to himself is not really one to want to put himself out, but yet at the same time found a place in, in theater in acting in high school and then in college but not really being interested in the academic part, but then still wanting to do the acting. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, basically how he stumbled into a role that, um, that director Ken Quapas, who's directed many episodes of the office and actually have a book, which is going to be the next one I read, which is all I wanted to do is direct. <laughs> and that one's quite a bit longer. Um, but I'm going to start reading that one next. But he put him in, you know, uh, Andrew McCarthy's second role was in a uh, after-school TV movie called The Benictor Project, directed by King Coapas. And then just kind of what he learned from there. And then going on to winding up in St. Elmo's Fire, Pretty in Pink, you know, all those movies. Yeah. And then later, you know, much later, Weekend at Bernie's. And just... His personal journey, which is, you know, is is very interesting. I, I always kind of like just hearing the kind of behind the scenes and, you know, his relationship to the other actors or, and actresses on the sh- in the film and and how he either got along really well with them or how he, he really didn't because of more of his insecurities than theirs. So it's a very it was a very interesting book and very thought provoking and I had a little there's a few times I was like I relate to this a little bit too much sometimes <laughs> um, obviously not the keeping to myself thing but um, the more of the you know my past I've I wasn't really one to put a whole lot of effort into things but still wanted the reward from it yeah so and you know I'm as you get older, you kind of realize this. You're you're more okay with it, just because you you have a better understanding of who you are, and it's from those mistakes, you know, growing up that you kind of figured that out. And so I related to a lot of those aspects of, yeah. you know, I'm doing all these I'm doing all these things at least I, that I think I'm doing correctly, and I think it should just kind of come to me, not really come to me, but I think I think I should be it be doing better than what i am but i'm not really putting willing to put in that extra work to do it as i've gotten older yeah as i've gotten older that's completely changed now like it's kind of like that saying you get what you put in 
right. get out what you put in. So yeah. I kind of had the same similar like when I went to Watkins for a couple years for film, I was going for production, but um, I just didn't have the right mindset going in. Like you got to learn this stuff because like prior to that, me and a friend of mine had written a script that we did. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a story, and then I bought a book on how to format scripts, and I rewrote it. And then when I took an intro to screenwriting class, I felt like my creativity wasn't like it just jumbled off because I was thinking too much about it instead of just creating. And so I, I stopped going and I wish I had stuck with it, yeah. you know, thinking back on it because there's no telling where that would have went. <laughs> yep. you know? Well, and I used to write a lot of creative stories back in high school and college, but yeah. I was so focused. Like I had, I'd had the idea. I started at and kind of kind of jumble a, an intro and then. I would start writing and start writing, but I would want to hurry up and get to the end. Right. <laughs> you know? And so it never made it really far because it was terrible because I was in a rush and never was sat down to try and just develop the story as it went. I just wanted to hurry up and be done and move on to the Process. next. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I, I recommend this to anybody that really enjoys eighties movies. Um, or just is a big is also you know kind of grew up watching Andrew McCarthy movies like I did. Um, I think you'll really like this book, so um, recommend that. I also, uh, as far as audiobook wise, I listened to Lauren Graham's book. Uh, most people know Lauren Graham from Gilmore Girls, but she was also in Bad Santa, friend I remember, and uh, she was also she's also in the new Mighty Ducks. Uh, series on Disney Plus, and I had the book. Like I've had the book, I just haven't had a chance to read it. So I was like, well, I'll get the audiobook, and you know, it's read by her. But it's it's like listening to Laura like Gilmore read an audiobook of somebody else. It's just very much like the dialogue is just very. I don't. It's not spastic. It's just very upbeat and very just very much in this kind of. She talks kind of in the style of Lorelai Gilmore or vice versa. Lorelai Gilmore talks in the style of Lauren Graham. Either which way, it is very good. It's very upbeat, kind of lighthearted. Nothing mm-hmm. too deep like the Demi Moore book was. Um, this one's a lot more fun. Uh, if you're a fan of, of hers or even just the show, you'll absolutely love the audiobook if you can find it. So I would hi- that's uh, Lauren Graham talking as fast as I can. Um, so yeah, yeah, and that's it. That's it for uh, my summer book report so far. <laughs> <laughs> but in doing so, I so I did finish the Rob Lowe one, which I, I think I talked about in the last episode, which is really good. Yeah, and I picked up his follow up to that. Um, I haven't started it, but I picked it up. I started watching The West Wing, which I had never watched because I was watching Buffy. During all that time, and yeah. I think Dawson's Creek was still on. Anyways, it came during a time I wasn't really watching that yet. And for no real reason, I just never got around to watching it. So I'm now like seven episodes in of the first season, and I absolutely love it. I mean, it's it's Aaron Sorkin's very walk. When they say, uh, when people refer to Aaron Sorkin as like a, it's a movie where people are walking and talking, you, you kind of, laugh a little bit because well it's not really all and then you kind of watch them like no it kind of is but then you look 
at the West Wing, and that's literally all it is, just people walking from, from one part of the White House to the to another, and they're just talking the entire time. I'm like, okay, now I see where this comes from. <laughs> um, but I enjoyed it because the characters are very well written, very well acted. Um, Bradley Whitford's awesome. Rob Lowe's spectacular. Alice and Janie is amazing. And Martin Sheen is, you know, Martin Sheen. He's going to knock it out of the park. So, um, yeah. And uh, apparently someone I met at the uh, Comedy Film Nerds last episode live thing that I went to uh, back in December 2019, Susie Nakamura, was in it also. And I did not know that. <laughs> I was like, I saw her name in the credits. I'm like, oh, I know her. So that was I did. I pulled a Leo. So my Leo me moment. So. Uh, so yeah, we still need, I still need to try and get her on. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I, I'm enjoying it so far. So that's kind of my, what's replacing my TV void as far as things to watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah. All right, man. <laughs> it's been, uh, been a week of movies or a weekend of movies. Yeah. <laughs> I still yeah. didn't watch everything I wanted to, but <laughs> I still, I still got to check out forever purge but i don't know when that's gonna happen but yeah it'll happen when it happens yeah and then the one other one that you're talking about yeah i want to try and get in there for that but it's not enough time but there is all right my friend well let's get into our future presentation that we did both see (laughs) and it also happened to take york with me so i'm going to count that as my family movie night even though it was an afternoon matinee. <laughs> so, and we matinee. There we go. Uh, this is the movie I've been both looking forward to as well as dreading at the same time. <clears throat> I am speaking of, of course, the G.I. Joe. I guess they're they're calling it a reboot because they're starting over from the first two that that got put out. So this is Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe, colon, Origins. They're going to try to do successfully what Fox couldn't do with X-Men. Uh, I guess. <laughs> so this is a G.I. Joe spinoff centered around the character of Snake Eyes. The I, I'm trying to figure out a good place to start and not get overly sidetracked. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and start before I go into giving the whole su- whole ass summary about this and say I told York when, I, when we were driving to the theater that, you know, I'm going to keep an open mind and try and view this as if it's not a G.I. Joe movie. That's, you know, I want to base what I think is going, you know, I want my review and my thoughts about this movie to be more about the movie itself and what's happening on the screen, then being that angry nerd that is like, this is all that got wrong. Getting into the lore of it all. Yeah. yeah. I got to leave that, leave that stuff behind and just go with, okay, what are they showing me? How are they executing it? And, you know, go from there. Now, with that being said, <laughs> when York asked me about how much of this is, how much of the movie 
she he says on the scale of one to ten, how accurate was this movie? I said, you mean as in relation to like J.I. Jones and stuff? He's like, yeah. I said, I'd probably say about a two. <laughs> I mean, and that's not, and again, that's not a riff on the movie. That's just the fact that they have decided to take a different approach um, to how they present these characters. And I'm not against them doing a standalone film. I mean, technically, they're Marvel decided they wanted to do. You do your standalone uh, films to introduce your characters and then put them together, you know, for their team movie, I guess. Yeah. And go from there. That's what it looks like it is. If they just do it for him and nobody else, it's going to seem really weird. Yeah. I mean, basically, the story is that you never know Snake Eyes' real name, which is in the comics. And even on the toys and everything else, you never know. It always says unknown or classified. Mm-hmm. It never actually gives you. So you never know his actual name. So it's only just Snake Eyes. So at the beginning of the film, it's his dad's there, and they're kind of on the run. They're at this cabin. Bad guys find him. He has to hide. Um, the bad guy makes the dad roll dice to find out basically if he rolls a seven he lives if he if he doesn't then he dies and lo and behold he rolls snake eyes two ones so there you go there's the name and i i tried not to laugh because i thought that was kind of corny but i was like well whatever like are we about to have a dice game in the middle of a (laughs) execution all right all right (laughs) whatever (laughs) <laughs> so anyways snake eyes ends up escaping and you know they kill his dad for you don't know who this character is i you're always like who is that guy and i'm like i don't like a bro in this movie there's no telling right but he had like this weird fur coat type thing so i was like is it destro oh he didn't sound scottish so it's not destro um it's just some dude it turned out to be just some dude i don't even know yeah and anyways, they, uh, so he, you know, then shows him some years later cause he was a kid and he's basically like doing bare knuckle boxing in some warehouse wherever. Yep. And this guy approaches him to come for him. And if he comes and works for him, he basically, he's like, I know who killed your father. Basically I could get you the guy that killed your dad. But you got to come that kind of thing. <clears throat> so he reluctantly agrees. He ends up working, and I guess he's connected to the Yakuza. So he ends up like smuggling guns and giant fish. I haven't figured it. He looks like, why are they doing that? I'm like, even I can't. I said, bro, I wish I had a good answer, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, anyways, the bad guy finds out one of the people working there, double crossed him. And it turns out to be Tommy, who's Storm Shadow. But uh, it turns out uh, the bad guy wants uh, Kenta, played by Takahiro Hira, wants wants, uh, Snake Eyes to kill Tommy. Snake Eyes can't do it because they don't want to kill anybody. So Tommy basically, he helps Tommy escape. And they... Yeah, 
But Tommy wants to run down and try and kill the kill Kenta. So they're chase like we're trying to escape, but he's keeps running towards the like because they're literally on the boat. Like I got yeah. the boat, and then he sees him take off. Like wait, what's going like, on? Pretty much, I'm like, I would've been like, fine, I'm leaving. You yeah. know, I tried. You know, you can only do so much type of thing. Yeah, and, yeah. It was like, funny. Maybe I should have shot you. I was like, I was like. Uh, you know, it's a couple times where you kind of just shake your head <laughs> at things, and that was one of those. I'm like, "What are you doing, bro?" I'm like, I, and I, had, I had another kind of shake my head moment when they were breaking out. Yeah. I was amazed at how much in sync they were. Like they know, like somehow they right. were able to work together and fight. I'm like, you know, you know, y'all, did y'all practice this somewhere right. sometime. I'm like, all right. So I, I was scratching my head on that a little bit. I'm like they they made them look like they had too much um, chemistry, right? Yeah. Already, yeah. yeah. I was like, all right, natural yeah. chemistry. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> oh, Lord. But yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, okay, and you know the bad guy escapes. Um, Snake Eyes is wounded. He kind of falls out of this vehicle, and then it cuts to they're on an airplane. I'm like, how did we get here? Right. Because the cops are pulling like, up. I'm like, yeah, the cops are pulling up. And then he falls out. I'm like, so, and now we're, just, we're not going to talk about how we got on this airplane? <laughs> Guess not. But it was. I don't I, have time for that. that this movie's got to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got we got too much. This movie's already going to be two hours. We got to yeah. already going to have to cut stuff out. I didn't even get in. I, I got into the summary. I didn't even get into the fact that this is PG thirteen. It is two hours in a minute, but it's whatever. Um, Snake Eyes is uh, played by Hen- Henry Golding, which most people will know him from Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Um, Andrew Koji plays Tommy. Most people, and it was bugging me where I recognized him from. I couldn't think of it. I'm like, I'm like looking, looking. I'm like, oh, it's the dude from Warrior, the TV show that Michael to- uh-huh. told me recommended us to watch. And he's the lead in it. And I was like, oh, you know, it was like my head almost. Okay. I was like, ah, and big I, think old I, watched it. I think I watched the episode of it. Yeah, I'm like so, yeah. seven episodes in, seven or eight. But I was like, that's where I recognize him from. Um, Haruka Abe is uh, plays Kiko, and all right, as for mentioned, uh, Takahiro Hira plays Kenta. Aiko Uwais, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, plays the hard master. Most people uh, will probably know him from uh, the raid and the raid redemption. So, if you haven't watched either one of those and you like martial arts, you're doing yourself a disfavor not having seen it because it is amazing. Unlike this movie that, that uh, falls into the trap of quick, quick edits for fight scenes, yeah, the raid, was... the raid makes it a point. Both of them really make a point not to do that. Like it's so well choreographed, so well done. 
this one, even York was like, just seemed like everything was happening too fast. I said, like, what part? Because I thought there was a lot of downtime in this movie. All of it. <laughs> He's just like, well, the fighting. Like, is it, do you think there's just too many quick edits? They were just cutting between punches and stuff? Yeah, mostly that. I'm like, okay. But he enjoyed it. He did really like this movie. Yeah. And he's like, but I also don't know anything about these characters, too. I said, not for lack of trying. Just saying. Um, but yeah, uh, Samara Weaving from uh, from Ready or Not plays uh, Scarlet. And... To be honest, which I didn't even recognize until they played her name. Like, oh, that was yeah, her. I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I was like... That's who. That's like I forgot who that was supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. They've. <laughs> and then Ursula Corbero, Corbero, um, plays the Baroness. I did not like her. I didn't like. I did not like her Baroness. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. No. I didn't like that at all. I. I just. I didn't like how she portrayed it. I just. I had. I had even just. Even taking setting aside comic but i just didn't like yeah. her character period yeah like i don't know much about gi joe and i didn't watch the other movies so uh you know every, everything with this was just okay yeah. so well uh, seeing a miller played baroness in the in the previous gi joe mm-hmm. i thought she was exponentially better i mean actually looked just like you know almost like a physical you know manifestation or representation yeah. you know, of the characters from the comics and the show and the toys and all that. Well, just, I mean, perfect. This one, I'm like, what are we doing here now? Samara weaving Scarlet looks exponentially. I mean, it looks just like Scarlet would from, from the source material. So I, they always dig it there. I thought her character was okay. Yeah. Um, she didn't have much to do, though. No, so they didn't give her anything. It was just an introductory... It was almost damn near a cameo, but she was in it long enough to, you know, for it to be an actual... Role. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't... But yeah, they didn't give her anything to do. Because it was mostly Snake Eyes and Tommy's story. Yeah. The issue I had... Hold on. Basically, so... Tommy introduces Snake Eyes to the Arashikage clan and wants him to train and try and join the clan, but he has to pass these three tests that test various different things. He's introduced to um, Tommy's grandmother who runs the clan, uh, the hard master and the blind master. There should also be just like the hard master. There's also a soft master, but they didn't have him in this for whatever reason, but yeah, there's hard, soft, and blind. But yeah, okay. oh, it's whatever. Um, so he he has no training. This is what kills me: is that there is no like, there's not even a training montage. It's just a bunch of him running, and that's really all they show. Yeah. So he apparently already knows how to use a sword, somehow, pre-trained on how to use a sword. And is very good at it. Now, the fighting we've seen, but you didn't really see a whole lot of martial arts. It was more like MMA style almost in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, early fights, I guess, that you watched or that they show. And 
Whereas all the fighting afterwards is like all martial arts fighting. He's like the skilled martial arts fighter and swordsman. Yeah. So where did he learn it? (laughs) I would have at least appreciated that, you know, just a cheesy eighties montage training montage of him just, you know, learning a couple of the skills. He does some basic moves. just like the form technique. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd been cool. That would so have been, I was, was kind of like, even thinking that at the beginning, the opening, I was like, so in between what happened with his dad till now he's fish boy, he's learned how to fight. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like this, the progression of the story. It's like he's automatically getting these skills added to his skill yeah. set, but there's no, they're not showing him actually learning it. So, yeah. Right. So, and that's one of the, I'm like, and just from a, again, just judging this just from a from what we're watching on screen. Yeah. There's no not like there's no there yeah, nothing's talked about. There's no conversation about, oh yeah, well, you know, I had to learn how to fight to survive, you know, because I didn't have a yeah. family. I'm moving place. Even some exposition like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. We know yeah. that ahead of time. Fine. Yeah, because so. he could have just said, you know, after losing my father, I just trained myself to protect myself. So yeah. I learned these skills and you know i did like a little bit of sword play not a lot but just something so i know a little they maybe show him training actually doing the sword fighting a little bit right that would have been cool yeah so whatever (laughs) so yeah he has he but the arashikagi clan have some glowing gem that I don't even remember what they call it. I don't even care. That's this glowing gem. The the thing. They have a thing. It's a thing. It, it's, yes. it's a glowing thing that the that the bad guy needs to have in order. Who happens to also be. So turns out that this again. <clears throat> Kenta is apparently Storm Shadow's cousin. Because mm-hmm. that was talked about. Storm Shadow was double crossing as a spy for Kenta. <laughs> like, like he was, he's been working for you, bro. How would you, <laughs> like, how would you not know this? Yeah. That he was with, he still was with the clan. Like, how would you not Peek. figure it out? Yeah. A hell of a lot sooner. Yeah. <laughs> So I just thought about that for some reason, but that just blew my mind. I'm like, yeah, there's some continuity issues and script issues for sure. I think was... there were three writers. At least it wasn't yeah, five. That. But yeah, exactly. But, but still, I was just like, man, um, you know, cause there's something that's revealed. Like, cause, I, cause when that, that opening scene when he saves Tommy, I was like, that mm-hmm. was a little too kind of too easy. Yeah. And then when Kenta just walked away, when everything's everybody started fighting, I'm like, aren't you trying to kill him? Like, why are you walking yeah. away? Get, you know, wait for your moment to take him yeah, out. Strike. Nice. Just walks away. That's just like like a good boss. You have the underwings to it for you. <laughs> right. It's like my children take care of them. I'm out. This <laughs> is. Uh, so Kenta has to try and get the thing so he can have all this power of the Rashikagi and has these basically gives him like superpowers and stuff. Yeah. More or less. It's like the power stone. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Yeah. I I was like, hmm. All right. 
And throughout the movie, I kept going, why is Snake Eyes the bad guy in this film? When he's the hero. Like they're really switching and making Tommy to be the bad, the good guy in this. And then I'm like, well, are they actually going to have a part where they are at each other? Because in the comics, you know, they're not, you know, they're... They're adversaries. Yeah, they're adversaries. They, I mean, until a certain point, and then Storm Shadow becomes good. Anyways, um, but I'm like, are they, what are they doing with this, you know? And it wasn't until the end. I'm like, obviously, he's going to do something to redeem himself, because... That's how third acts. <laughs> that's how third act. Most third acts usually occur. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. It was interesting. I won't. I mean, I'm not saying don't see it. I'm saying it is a decent action movie. It's good to get if you're looking for a movie to go see to get out of the hundred degree heat we had today. Then this is a fine one to go see. Yeah. If you have kids that are ten or older. That enjoy action movies, this would be a fine one to see. The Baroness drops one F bomb. Yeah, that's I'm it. Sorry. I'm like, why was that? And now it's like, why was that even needed? It wasn't. She was like, <laughs> she like literally said, F this. I'm like, really, kids said, screw this. To hell with this. Literally, a ton of other yeah. choices, but we're like, or, or just nothing at all. Yeah. Did what she did. Yeah. Like we gotta, we gotta, we gotta use our one for something. Where are we gonna put it? I was like, this is just that was just stupid. Um, but yeah, it's not a horrible. It's not a bad movie. It's not. It's not an amazing movie. It's right. It's just entertaining. Okay. Now, in the grand scheme of things of GI Joe movies, it's probably the best. But the bar's not set very high for that. They are using... <laughs> so, according to the trivia, it's basically the movie is a reboot of the G.I. Joe property on film and intended to be part of a shared universe, because everything has to now, uh, features based on Hasbro properties, with G.I. Joe uh, Visionaries, Knights of the Magical Light, Mask, Mobile Armored Strike Command, and Rom, the Space Knight, and Mic- uh, Micronauts. So I, I don't know what they're. I don't know what these people are doing. Uh, <laughs> so apparently, the Andrew Koji, who plays uh, Storm Shadow, hated the two GI Joe films in an interview, saying, "I thought about playing that character, St- Storm Shadow, because I didn't like the first two films. I can say that I'm allowed to not like a film." So. I was hesitant at first to even accept that. That's a big studio film and my first role in a big studio film. So I was very hesitant because I didn't have the, I didn't have that trust in Hollywood to do that. What warrior taught me, but, and the voice that it gave me helped my work on storm shadow. I don't want to play a character with a six pack. I wanted him to be human and flawed. He's going through stuff for me. When I saw the first GI Joe films, I was like, I don't want to do that. That's not the kind of thing I want to do. So. <laughs> All right, bro. Um, so Asian-American writer Larry Hama, a.k.a. the creator of G.I. Joe, who was instrumental in developing the character of Snake Eyes, addressed the movie's race-swapping issue with the casting of Asian actor Henry Golding. 
quote, some people are saying that casting Golding, quote, fixes thing, the character of Snake Eyes, but I disagree. I had wanted to keep him ambiguous until Hasbro introduced Storm Shadow as the only Asian character and made him a bad guy. I decided to, quote, fix that by delving into his background and gradually turning him into a good guy. This is why Snake Eyes is a white guy. End quote. So apparently Larry Hama not happy about how they did that. Yeah. Um, uh, goodness. I'm trying to think here. Uh, but Larry Hama did give his blessing to the movie, even the changes it m- made to the source material, which is pretty much all of it. <laughs> um, so I made him do a redaction. Yeah, pretty much. Ways, <clears throat> I guess. Um, Simon Waters, who oversees consumer products at Hasbro Studios and the company, wants to quote take a more millennial approach. End quote. That never sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to millennials. That's not not really a knock on you, just a knock on. Basically, uh, on this dude, as he explains, quote, the world has changed and I think you're going to see G.I. Joe changing with it. End quote. He said there's going to be a much more contemporary approach to the whole thing, and that will allow us to develop different characters. So mean they're going to introduce new stuff. Instead uh, of the no. old? So here's the thing. Why not just make this in the 80s? Cartoon came out in the 80s. Just have it set in the 80s. That way, all the basically that way, all the characters, even with you know the kind of more ridiculous code names, will still be fitting. Like shipwreck. I remember that yep. one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But if you think about, I mean, even just the retire and everything, you could easily make it just an 80s movie and have kind of cool 80s, have like a cool 80s soundtrack to go with it. That'd be great. It'd be nostalgic. It'd be fun. I I just don't understand it. So I had told you I had come up with an excellent TV series, a G.I. Joe TV series, live action. Mm-hmm. So do you did you ever watch the TV show The Unit? Uh, it had Dennis Haysbert and Scott Foley. It's a few years back. I didn't. It's no. basically... So they were part of this in... A, it's Max. Oh, I can picture him. I know it's. I can never. Oh, that's annoying. Can't think of his last name. I'll... Max Martini. Okay, it's also on it. So it's about this basically uh, more like a spe- kind of like a special ops uh, military group that are just sent in for special missions. And mm-hmm. they have to go, sometimes they have to go undercover to go, you know, find this person, you know, find somebody. It could be an arms dealer. It could be something else, you know, they're, but it's a very, not, it's not a war type movie, but it's a group of people, a part of an elite special forces team, which is essentially what GI Joe is. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is going to be the closest I ever get to a GI Joe <laughs> TV, you know, live action show. So my idea was basically, oh, and Robert Patrick was in the show too. 
it went from uh, 2006 to 2009. Um, my idea was you basically can have different characters or you could have it just be focused on just a couple. So my one of my favorite characters and one of my favorite storylines is uh, one of the iterations of G.I. Joe where Flint, who is basically a uh, like a Green Beret, one of the other Joes, uh, Lady J, who he was romantically involved with, dies. So he is basically pissed at the world and very jaded and very just angry about everything. So there's a storyline that just kind of follows him and more or less, it's not quite revenge, but it's every, all his actions in cause Cobra killed, killed her. And so all of his actions are clouded in, you know, cause of, you know, just all he has is revenge and on the brain and not thinking clearly. Yep. So he's kind of not to use a GI Joe pun, but he's kind of going gung ho um, <laughs> in his approach to things. But I think it would be very, I think it would be, uh, I think it'd be really cool for them, like one of the either one of the streaming services to just do like a 13 episode GI Joe show, just focusing on that character. And maybe that plot line, too, because it's a very interesting character to develop and to just see how they handle it and how he kind of has that arc. Like he could start out with her death and just go with that arc and then how he kind of seeks redemption, more or less. So revenge and redemption. So there you go. There's my pitch. Make it happen. One of the many streaming services. Right. Maybe Prime because they do they're doing a good job with Jack Bauer. So I mean, maybe they can take the Marvel approach to like a six to eight episode yep. season. Yep. And then you can maybe do different characters that way. Yep. Yep. That'd be awesome. All right. Um that's really all I got for Snake Eyes. I think I was pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed it more than I thought it would. Um yeah. <laughs> so that's that's uh, I mean, which honestly is saying quite a bit. Um I did enjoy it more than I thought it would. I'm curious to see what they do next. So yeah. they're obviously <clears throat> setting up for more to make this a thing. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess mean, uh, you know, all you could do is it, just follow along. Yeah, I mean I did like it. You no, know, considering I did I thought maybe watching this would say maybe I should check out the other two. Knowing they're not, probably not connected, but just to see what they did with them. But I don't know. I, I don't know. On, you might actually be able to skip the first one. Yeah. I would watch the second one. Not only because The Rock's in it and Bruce Willis has a cameo. But I like the fact that it's more accurate to the... the they actually got the vehicles. This is going to sound so nerdy and lame. But they actually got the, the likeness to the vehicles to the characters and their costumes and everything mm-hmm. and villains and all that. They got that the most accurate I've seen between that and the first one. Yeah. And the second one's directed by John M. Chu, who did Step Up 3D and In the Heights and Crazy Rich Asians. So there's your... We got good direction. Yeah. So I was like, he's doing... Wait, the Step Up guys? Step Up guys doing a G.I. Joe movie? 
am I doing here? <laughs> but between those, between the two to choose from, that would be the one I would. If you're gonna take an hour and a half to watch something, I would pick that one. And okay. honestly, and you do not need to see the first one to know what's going on in the second one. Okay. They kind of recap it sadly, but. Okay, I mean, but I did enjoy. It. I thought it was just okay. Um, of course, the action scenes with all the quick edits—that was annoying. Yeah. I wish they just let let it breathe a little bit, just just a little bit, <laughs> you know, just a little yeah. bit. And um, yeah, it just and you know, Snake Eyes, his overall goal, and then the role he kind of played in this—not to give it away—I don't know. It just it was just kind of distracting in a way because. It didn't feel like it, didn't feel like it fit. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Agreed. But, um, yeah, you know, like I said, uh, if they do a sequel, I'll, I'll check it out, see what they do with it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I'll check out one of the original. I did. I did on YouTube watch the two fight scenes with Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. I did watch those. That's from the second one. Yeah. Yeah. And I watched the one from the first one. I was like. The one in the second one's a little better. <laughs> it's quite a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I can already see the qualities better between the two there. <laughs> yes. But, but it was yeah. probably a little bit higher too. Yeah. I don't know. Might have evened out because they got rid of Channing Tatum and then <laughs> traded in for uh for the Rock. So. Yeah. Alex. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. <clears throat> All right. Uh, you want to go? Yeah. So, uh, I watched the movie Jolt that's on Prime Video. Okay. This wasn't suggested by him, but Bruce Lee did mention it to me and told me about it. And so, since I decided not to watch Forever Purge, I decided, well, I'll check this out. Because when I saw Kate Beckinsale was in, I was like, okay, I like her. So, I'll I'll watch it for that. And, um... I tried watching the trailer, but I didn't really pay attention to it, so I still didn't know what was going on when I started it. So, mm-hmm. but um, it released July twenty third, so recent. Uh, good sweet spot time of an hour and thirty one minutes. Uh, directed by Tanya Wexler, and again it stars Kate Beckinsale as Lindy Lewis, and she has this slightly murderous <laughs> anger management issue. Okay. Uh, Probably a little more than slightly. Okay. But um, it also stars Bobby uh, Cannavale as Detective um, Vickers. Got Jay Courtney as Justin. Laverne Cox as Detective Nevin. Uh, Stanley Tucci uh, plays the Dr. Ivan Munchen. Got David Bradley and um, Ori Pfeffer. And then Susan Sarandon makes an, a cameo in this. But uh, basically, it's about a bouncer with a slightly murderous anger management problem goes on a revenge fueled rampage when the first guy she's ever fallen for is murdered. <laughs> so they they show like short in the early age where it's a birthday party and um, a boy takes her cake, eats it, and she just goes off, starts beating them to the point that the parents got to pull her off them. And they try counseling. They ultimately have her institutionalized at a young age and some organizations try to weaponize her because she has this um, extra, she has like high levels of cortisol in her system that makes her stronger and faster 
which I don't think that's how cortisol works in the <laughs> body. I don't know. But um, it makes her just extremely like she basically has, like it says, anger issues. When she's mad, she she just focused on it. Like whatever the problem is, she's going to handle it. She has no control. She's just going to fight. Okay. They try putting her in the military. They try to teach her some discipline. Nothing works. So she eventually goes to <clears throat> Dr. Munchen, who creates this um, this it's an experimental, but it's an effective treatment where she wears this vest vest with electrodes that are lined all over her body, and she's given a remote. So whenever she's in a situation where somebody makes her mad and she wants to fight them, she gives herself an electric jolt, and this should have a reverse effect to calm her down. And so. <laughs> It's worked enough to where she's been able to live a somewhat normal life, you know. So, but along with this, she doesn't date. She's never dated because, you know, they, they make her mad. She's going to fight him. She's going to probably kill him. That's how that's how angry she gets. But she takes a chance and goes out on a date with a guy named Justin. The first date is kind of a miss because the waitress pisses her off and she excuses herself to the bathroom and she overhears the waitress on the phone, basically bad mouthing her and, and her date. And she just proceeds to take her out. Just no question. Kicks in the door of the bathroom, knocks her out and leaves. But they eventually go out, have a better su- success on the second date. And after hooking up, she feels like she's cured because this is the first person that she actually told about having these, mm-hmm. these electro vests. And she went all the way with them. She feels good. She's telling the doctor, like, I don't need this. I'm cured. And, you know, doctor's like, hey, you know, you're kind of like in the honeymoon phase, basically, like, control that. You're kind of having an impulsive decision right now. But she's high on life. So she's getting ready for the third date. And she gets a call from the police saying that Justin had been shot. And, you know, they bring her in for questioning and everything. She wants to see him, but because she's not a media family, you know, they tell her she can't see him. But, um, from this, you know, he does eventually die, but from here, she's just on this, she's just focused on trying to find out who shot him, who killed him, so she can kill him. And these cops are trying to get her to calm down, to not do this, to let them do their job, and quit interfering, because she goes as far as to steal evidence, um, you know, just um, stealing files, reading up on everything, you know, just, just doing everything she shouldn't be doing, because she's right. so hell-bent on finding these people. And that's basically what the rest of the movie is. Her trying to find the person responsible. Anybody gets in her way, she's fighting them. She even attacks one of the cops and, like, knocks her out a couple times. And it's just like, she's really uh, out of control. You know, she's a problem. But as the movie progresses toward the end, you start to see what's really going on. And it's kind of predictable, Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's predictable to a point, but um, it does seem like they're building something. I'll just say that. But I thought it was okay. It's kind of a n- no nonsense kind of movie. It's I did like the like the action scenes here. I did like better than Snake Eyes. I thought there was more even though it was still kind of quick edits, but it was just more yeah. intense and I just felt you could just I guess it had more weight to the punches and everything. Yeah. And um but Kate Beckinsale for forty eight, she looks great, she's fighting. I'm like, all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> um but yeah, I mean it's it's okay. It's kinda like 
just uh, turn your brain off, enjoy it. Okay. That type of movie. Um, yeah. It's Perfect. a service purpose. I was entertained. Yep. That's, that was it. That's all I wanted to, okay. to be by the end of this. Yeah. Um, Perfect streaming movie. Yes. Sounds like. Okay. Yes. And also, it's kind of a mix of Crank and Lucy. Where instead okay. of. Yeah. Very it's, high know, energy. Of, yeah. You know, like um, how Jason Statham had to electrocute himself to keep him going. Yeah. Here, she's trying to calm herself down with the electricity. And instead of like in Lucy, where um, Scarlet's character just takes ingested drug that gives her these abilities, it's more of a genetic thing that causes her to be overly out of control. Okay. Yeah. Right on. All right. Um, so I also went and saw Old this weekend. Do you feel old? Uh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, so uh, written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. His latest. Based on a graphic novel called Sandcastle by Pierre Oscar. Because he's French. So, old is PG-13 at 1 hour 48 minutes. Felt like 2 hours 48 minutes at times. Um, I did go see this at like a 10 o'clock showing at night. So, mm-hmm. there's that. <laughs> um, and I think I only dozed off twice. But only for like seconds each time. Like yeah. I knew what I was, I was like, oh, because you know I'm having to get back to going to late night movies again. <laughs> right. Um. So old says thriller about a family on a tropical holiday who discovered that the secluded beach where they are relaxing for a few hours has somehow caused them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day. That is the so. most simplistic. <laughs> That is the most simplistic and best uh, way to to uh, talk about that movie. Um, yeah, so old stars uh, Gael Garcia Bernal and um, Rufus Sewell, Vicky Creeps, who I couldn't figure out where I recognized her from. But she was in another movie that felt like it lasted three and a half hours, um, but wasn't. And uh, that was the Phantom Thread. She played Alma, so the female lead, I guess you could say, too, and, uh, in the Phantom Thread. So, And let's see, who else? Alex Wolf, who... Uh, Alex Wolf, who everybody may know as Spencer? From the Jumanji, newer Jumanji movies. So, uh, he plays Trent at age 15. Thomason McKenzie plays Maddox at age 16. She was in Jojo Rabbit. And uh, Leave No Trace. Then, uh, let's see. Abby Lee plays Crystal. Nikki Amuka Bird plays Patricia. Ken Leung plays Jaren. And... uh, M. Beth Davidits uh, plays Adult Maddox, and 
Imun Elliot plays adult Trent. So, yeah, um, I, I like the beginning. I like how it was introduced. I liked how they set up everything from kind of uh, setting up the characters and kind of introducing them. And, you know, something's going on with the relationship between uh, Gael Garcia Bernal's character Guy and Vicky, Vicky Creeps' character Prisca. Um, you know, something's kind of going on. They're kind of on this trip, not only a vacation for the kids, but also kind of a way for the two of them to kind of, I guess, I don't want to say fix, but we'll say not focus on whatever issue they have going on, which isn't really addressed until later in the movie. Um, they, along with another couple uh have been told basically or in another family have been told by basically the manager the mr rourke uh, if you will of the uh, resort that there is a a hero likes their family and that he knows of a private beach that is really nice this time of year and that uh they could go to uh that he can take, you know, he could have him taken to, have them taken to, for, for the day, you know, get them away from the more touristy areas of the island. Yeah. So, the kids uh, make friends with another kid that's, I guess you could say the tattoo. <laughs> I mean, he's a kid, but he's <laughs> Mr. Rourke's, I guess, uh, kid or ward or whatever. I don't know, and. They make friends with him and everything. They set up. They wanted to do a new kind of like, kind of what they call cryptography with symbols and letters, and you have to have a key to figure out the code and everything. Yeah. So you know, as kids this age do. (laughs) (laughs) Um. That part's kind of cool. They uh, yeah. So they go through all that to go to this island, and after a little while, you know, they're everybody's loving being there, but they come across a dead body that floats on the shore, not giving anything away. It's in the trailer. Uh, there's a guy that was already on the island and he doesn't know what's going on. He's a famous rapper named, God, what was it? It was something ridiculous. Like SUV sedan or something like that. I don't know. It was some ridiculous name. I can't remember the name of it now. It said mid-sized. Mid-sized sedan. sedan. That's what it was. Oh, yeah. Right there. Aaron That's Pierce. crazy. Aaron Pierre. Mid-sized sedan. And I cracked up laughing. I'm like, and they said it with a straight face. I don't know how many take it, takes it took them to do that. I'm like, I don't know if that was meant to be funny like that, but I cracked up. Mid-sized sedan. Uh should be a line in a rap song, not a name. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, it was great. It uh, <laughs> went to... I. So yeah, so it turns out to be some girl he was with that went out swimming, and then she never came back. Turns out she drowned, and not unsure what caused the drowning. Everybody's wanting to kind of... is kind of suspicious of him. Um, 
until it's later revealed that, hey, they're aging and they can't figure out why every time they try and leave to go back. Uh, if you try to wander back the way you came, basically you pass out and then are more or less, you know, you're having to be carried back by your family, by whoever, back yeah. to the beach. So you can't leave without more or less passing out or going unconscious. So, and even in the, and again, it's in the trailer, but even climbing up the rocks and everything, you can't, because you'll, again, pass out or go unconscious. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, no matter what you try and do, yeah, and then everybody kind of starts turning on one another as they're aging or as you come to, as you learn, some people have some medical issues going on and it just speeds up that issue, the problem, you know, that they're having. It's, it just seemed like the beach scene, which I know I get this movie, most of it takes place on this beach and it's supposed to. Um, it is M. Night, only M. Night's, I think the village is the only other one not set in Philadelphia. I think all of his others take place in Philly. Um, <clears throat> but I'm trying not to give too much away because I know people may actually, you know, may want to go check this out. So I'm trying to not go on a rant about it, um, yeah. about the issues I have. All I'm going to say is that by the time, and you, you call it an M. Night Twister reveal, I'm just going to say the ending because not really that big of a reveal to be honest but the explanation for for why things occur on the island and what excuse me then what happens afterwards i found that to be more of a compelling story than i did the middle part of the story about them aging on the island and trying to figure all that out the whole horror horror aspect of that part what I would like to have seen was the beginning, the setup, everything went up, maybe 10 or 15 minutes on the island. Maybe 20. I mean, this movie is an hour and 48. I'd, I'd be okay with it being another 20 minutes if I would have gotten maybe 10 minutes less on the island, focus more, have, you know, the third act. Basically, mm-hmm. the third act focus have the third act be like the second act point, you know, um, part of the second act, and then focus more on what happens when when uh, what happens there during the third act, and then how they are how the characters are able to move on after that. I would have found that to be a more entertaining or something I would have rather seen more of an and if this and a focus on than just the time on the island. Because after a while, I mean, you know, it's going to happen. So you just kind of want to go, well, what else is there? Right. What else can you give me? But that's not what I got. So I didn't enjoy it near as much as I wish I near as much as I wish I would have. Let's put it that way. My expectations were low anyways. Yeah. But I th- think it was missing 
something. It just kind of kind of annoyed me a little bit. M. Night said that the subject matter of the film in which a group of people find themselves trapped on an isolated beach dealing with the deadly phenomenon mirrored the experience of being in lockdown and the uncertainty of the coronavirus pandemic, adding, quote, it was strange. We were making a film that had nothing to do with the pandemic, but at the same time, it was absolutely about this fear and uncertainty we were all feeling, this fear of infection. It, must, it made us think very deeply about death, about survival, and about being in lockdown, the idea of being stuck in a situation and not being able to leave. I think he kind of stretched that a little bit, but whatever. Just roll with it. Everybody has their own experiences. But yeah, it. Yeah, I don't want to read too much more because I don't want to really give anything else away. Um, it's OK. If you like M. Night movies or at least, at least like a good majority of them, you may like this. Um, if for any other reason, you should watch this just to see what you think see what your thoughts are and see how they compare with what I just said about what I wish, you know, the changes I wish they would have, they would have made. Um, it's not the worst movie I've seen this year, but it's not the best one I've seen this summer. (laughs) Let's go with that, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was only slightly mad when I got out, but not, not as mad as I, as I have been leaving an M9 movie. (laughs) Okay. So it's kind of a step back from, well, split. I guess Glass was kind of like hit or miss, but Split. <laughs> so yeah. Glass was kind of a step split. down from Split. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Alrighty. So my, my last entry here, I watched No Sudden Move. Okay. Been wanting to watch that. It's on HBO Max. Uh, came out July 1st, 2021, hour and 55 minutes, uh, directed by Steven Soderbergh. And we have a pretty nice loaded cast here. <laughs> so our our leads are played by Don Cheadle, who plays Kurt Goins, Benicio Del Toro, plays Ronald Russo. And then, well, I'll say that our group that gets hired, the third person rounding that out is Kieran Culkin, who plays Charlie. So these three are hired to basically retrieve these documents that are important. And you think things are going to go well, but of course, you know, you know, things seem too simple, then, you know, it's probably not going to work out the way you you plan. Um, So they have babysitting duties and of course things don't go right. But Others that are actually in this movie got David Harbour, Amy Smets, John Hamm, Ray Liotta makes a ca- appearance in this, Noah Jupe, even um, got Brendan Fraser, Bill Duke. I was kind of surprised to see him. Hadn't seen him since Black Lightning. Yeah, it's I been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Craig Grant, Julia Fox, uh, Frankie, Frankie Shaw, and even. Matt Damon pops up in here Matt somewhere. Damon. Or a Loki variant, maybe. Mm-hmm. Nah. Mm. <laughs> nah. Mm. Wrong platform. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the movie takes place in 19, 1950s Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Kurt 
played by Don Cheadle, was recently released from jail and has plans to get out of the city to make his way towards Kansas City. Problem is, he doesn't have money. <laughs> he also has a bounty on his head because he stole the books of uh, Numbers, Numbers book from <clears throat> from one of the, like, uh, I guess, gang leader played by Bill Duke, Aldrich Watkins. And so he's got a, he's got a bit of a, he got a hit out put on him, basically. Got a reward out. Um, and Ronald isn't the sharpest tool in the shed and has managed to put himself in position to be with another man's wife. That kind of ties into the story later. And then Charlie's kind of a question mark. You know, not really sure what he's about. So <clears throat> they're each hired to steal this document. So what they do is they break into this family's home. Um, there's um, David Harbour's character who works... <clears throat> whose boss has these documents that they're trying to get it from. So they're using him to get these documents. And Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro have to stay back to babysit the family, make sure they act all right. So Charlie takes uh, David Harbour to achieve these documents. He's talking to his secretary, and he learns that these documents were taken by his boss when he goes on vacation because he checks the safe and it's empty. They're not there. So he gets this smart idea. I'm going to put these just random papers in this envelope and pass them off mm-hmm. to him who needs them. So we're like, all right, things are cool. Get back home. Things get back to normal. Not really. They get a phone call from the guy saying, you know, basically, like, you must think I'm an idiot. You know, um, you know, there's nothing in this. There's, this. These are fake paperwork. And Charlie, he tells Charlie to take everyone out, family, even the other two. Tell him take him out. And Don Shields, Kurt didn't really he wasn't really warm up to Charlie. And he's not he's not too he, he notices Charlie going for his gun, so boom, he takes Charlie out. And it just creates this chaos. Um basically Kurt and Ronald are now trying to figure out what's going on, what's so important about these papers, how do they pretty much put themselves in a position to get out of this alive and hopefully rich. Um, but it, it's just, it's a well-acted movie, good cast director and everything. Um, I don't want to spoil it cause you want, you know, you plan on watching it, but, um, it's, it's, it's the good crime drama. Okay. That's, that's, all, that's the best way I can put it. So it's a, it's a good Soderbergh movie then. I guess. <laughs> I'm guessing so. I mean, I liked it. Okay. Okay. I mean, did you did you ever see uh, Out of Sight with George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez? Yeah. Years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it's kind of like that. I mean, it's a good Soderbergh movie right there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and then um, uh, Del Toro and Don Cheadle they play off each other pretty well. Okay. And I, this is the movie I thought maybe was what landed him in Space Jam. <laughs> yeah. But then I was like, because cause honestly, watching Space Jam, I was almost like, I'm not even going to watch this movie because I'm mad at him being in Space Jam too. <laughs> but I'm glad I watched it because it was, it, was, it was actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. Um, real quickly, I'm going to more or less kind of give a brief review of the 
Fear Street trilogy that's on Netflix. I've been wanting to talk about for a couple weeks. We just tethered in movies to talk about. Um, but so these apparently are based on R.L. Stein books. I wouldn't know because I didn't read those when I was younger. Um, thank you, Ruth, for letting me fill me in on that. She probably just read them last week. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Um, so there's three movies. They were released, you know, weekly for three straight weeks. So part one takes place in, and they all take place in different, if different centuries, really. Well, no, different eras in time. Uh, part one takes place 1994 as the title. Uh, <clears throat> part two is 1978. Part three is 1666. They really go back. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> basically a circle of teenage friends accidentally encounter the ancient evil responsible for a series of brutal murders that have plagued their town for over 300 years. Welcome to Shadyside. That's the name of the town. Okay. It's not all that. Again, it's based on a young adult novel series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. um. I was like, I wonder if Sunny. I wonder if uh, Shady Side is next to Sunnydale. <laughs> <laughs> Explains so much horror. No, just, um, yeah. So the first one, I'm not as. I didn't, like after the first. I'm like, I wasn't as into the first one. Like I watched the first one. I'm like, all right, it's okay. Now, mind you, this is. Based on a young adult book, I mean, series like this. This is made for like teenagers. Yeah. This movie is rated R. There is some. Can't remember if there's nudity in this one. I think there's some brief nudity in this one. And the violence is just stupid. Yeah. Slasher violence. And that's the majority of what it is. There's some language, yes. But I'm like, seems weird for it to be a, based on a kid's series, you know. But okay, and they but they went for it. They're like, oh, we're going to Netflix. <laughs> All right, gonna, gonna mature it up a bit. Yep. <laughs> They're gonna learn today. <laughs> uh, we have Kiana Madeira playing Dina, Olivia Scott Welch playing Samantha Fraser. Uh, Benjamin Flores Jr. playing Josh, who I really liked in this. Um, Julia Rewald, Raywald as Kate. Maya Hawk as Heather. Uh, Charlene Ammonia as Rachel. And uh, David, David W. Thompson as Ryan Torres. So basically, there's an evil force going around that. Gets in the the evilness, you know, that's been more or less uh, haunting the shady side for, well, 300 years. Basically gets into a person's head and then they go on this med killing spree. So they trying to figure out what's the correlation and it turns out it goes back. They end up, oh, and... Uh, Gillian Jacobs uh, also is has a brief appearance at the end of this. 
she winds up being in a little bit more in the second one. And they, uh, the very, it's, it's cool how they do the endings, knowing that there's going to be two other films. So the end of the first film basically sets up the, you know, the second film Mm -hmm. very nicely. So that way next, the next week when you're ready to watch the second one, you already have an idea of what you're about to watch. Kind of a quick snippet type of thing. Yeah. And then it kind of zooms in from, because it basically shows a picture of this camp in 1978. The reason why these kids are being overtaken by this evil spirit is because of what happened at this camp in 1978, which apparently is at where this mall is. And that's kind of where the, you know, part of the story takes place in 1990, the 1994 story. Um, I don't know if it's because it was just setting up everything in the first one. And that's why I didn't like it as much. Mm-hmm. Or to me, it just didn't seem like there was, it seemed kind of basic, I guess. There wasn't any nuance to it. I was like, oh, it's fine. But when the next week rolled around, rolled around in 1978 was on i enjoyed that a lot more because it's more of an homage to like your friday the 13th kind of slasher movies okay but a little more suspenseful let's put it that way but the way the first one ends is you know gillian jacobs talking about this camp and everything and it and how basically uh, her sister died at this camp and it zooms in on this picture and then it goes, you know, then kind of cuts to a couple of scenes from, you know, 1978. And then it goes to credits and then you have to wait your week. I'm like, oh, so the next week when I'm watching 1978, I'm really I'm enjoying it a lot more. Um, I like the characters a little bit better and you kind of care a little bit more. Um, but it is kind of hard to keep track of. Some characters that are in the first one also are younger versions of it or in the second one. Mm-hmm. So it's and they're played by different people. So you're having a hard time kind of keeping track. But, um, you know, uh, Sadie Sink is in this, you know, that Chad was talking about last week from Stranger Things, who plays Max. Uh, she's in this one. And. So basically this one, Shady Side, 1978, school's out for summer and the activities at Camp Nightwing are about to begin. But when another Shady Sider is possessed with the urge to kill, the fun in the sun becomes a gruesome fight for survival. Uh, Emily Rudd plays uh, Cindy Berman. Ryan Simpkins plays Alice. McCabe Sly plays Tommy Slater. Uh, Gillian Jacobs plays C. Berman. Um, yeah. There's, and then uh, the characters from the first one also reprise their roles because they are still at the beginning of the film and at the end. And then what happens is basically the, one of the main characters from the first film gets. I forgot how they did how they did it, but basically, some spell she touched owes oh, the hand of the 
of the witch that had died and, you know, that they had basically hung and then buried a lot, you know, buried mm-hmm. under this tree, but separated her hand from her body. And so once the hand and the body rejoined, then, you know, curses lift or whatever. So she tries to do that, but then she gets sucked into basically, uh, I guess you can almost say like the memory but somehow she sucked back in time. It's really weird how they to explain it, but it's a lot easier when you watch it. I'm like, oh, okay, this yeah. makes sense. But she's basically transported to 1666, and she is in the body of the witch. Does that make sense? So she knows what's going on and everything. So then it kind of ends there, and then the next week, you know, then the following, the third and final week, part three, 1666. The origins of Sarah Fier's curse are finally revealed as history comes full circle on a night that changes the lives of Shady Side for Shady Siders forever. Um, so yeah, it's it's very interesting how they did this. So I'm very uh, I, now really like the third one not only because it's also the conclusion, but I liked how they did the origin story last and not first. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get a better understanding of what has occurred in these two previous movies. Well, I forgot to tell you, the second movie was also, part two, was also uh, rated R, hour 49 minutes long. Also some brief nudity and language and, of course, violence. Part three, rated R, an hour and 54 minutes. And I don't think nudity, I think just, I might, well, I don't think so. More language and just violence. Um but yeah, they did a good job explaining the origin of it and then her having to try and fix everything at the end. And then you find out really who the bad guy is in this trilogy. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes you kind of want to go back and see how things played out with said villain. <laughs> so um, now that you have a more understanding of what occurred back then and then what's been occurring ever since. So it, it's, you know, kind of, it may, I mean, if you enjoy the entire series and you may want to rewatch it, just see how it plays out. I'm not in a rush, but I did really like the second one. I really do like the third one. If you, uh, if you like classic horror movies, this would be a good one to watch. I mean, good series to watch. It's, it's interesting how they did it. I appreciate how they did it. I kind of liked it. Um, and, you know, these aren't exactly my type of movies, but I still enjoyed them anyways. Yeah. So I think you would like them, to be honest. So they're kind of right up your alley. So could you watch them backwards? Like start with the third one, then go forward? Or would it be best to watch them in? No, the- you can't. It, in theory, you should be able to, but no, because you because you wind up finding out who the actual villain is. And uh-huh. there's still like the last 30 minutes of the movie, you're going to. It's going to kind of ruin. Yeah. Now, if you've watched them already. Then. Then want to watch them backwards, then that's fine because you already know what's going on. But I no, I wouldn't recommend doing it that way. Okay. And when it comes to this, but otherwise, yeah. Okay. And so that's it. Fear Street trilogy on the Netflix. So I enjoyed all three. Well, I enjoyed two and three. The first one's not bad. I just like the other two better. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. All right, man. Um, 
trailers dune part one the full trailer i am not i feel like i should be interested in this movie but i'm not i'll probably i'll go see it but i can already tell it's probably not for me even with this giant cast and uh and the director i'm just mm. i don't think i've watched well i guess the early trailers that showed in theater but yeah. other than that i haven't watched the more recent ones yeah. so it's yeah. Uh, then there's coming to Hulu, Vacation Friends, which looks like a comedy that probably got greenlit and uh, don't really want. No, <laughs> I don't think it's. I think it's not going to be good. But you know what? Extra cheesy. Oh <laughs> man. I mean, maybe there's some time <laughs> issues like time loop issues yeah maybe i might like it more i don't know but yeah it's a couple meets up with another couple while on vacation in mexico but their friendship takes an awkward turn when they get back home starring john cena meredith hegner lil rel howry anna marie horse horse forward uh robert wisdom then whitfield yeah i don't know it i mean it's on who is there's nothing else on probably and then uh demonic is coming out um i watched the trailer for this and i'm like yeah it's not gonna be for me a young woman unleashes terrifying demons when supernatural forces at the root of a decades-old rift between mother and daughter are ruthlessly revealed Although it's Neil Blomkamp who did the District B-13 movies and stuff like that. So, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. And then uh, Malignant, which is um, James Wan's new film uh, about a woman named Madison who is uh, paralyzed by shocking visions of grisly murders and her torment worsens as she discovers that these waking dreams are in fact terrifying realities. Again, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see, I guess. And then lastly, um, the let speaking of Matt Damon, the last duel, um, King Charles VI declares that Knight Jean de Carogas settle his dispute with his squire by challenging him to a duel. Starring Jodie Comer, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Adam Driver, uh, Martin Kuskus, um, Harriet Walter, uh, Zelchko Evanek. And I'm trying to see what else. Directed by Ridley Scott. Uh oh. Uh. Screenwriters are Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, uh, Nicole Holsinier, and Eric Jaeger. Oh, based on the book by Eric Jaeger. So. Alrighty. Well, uh. I guess we'll see. 
That's Ridley Scott. I do love Ridley Scott, though. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck yeah. together. Yeah, it's a good will hunting of swords. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we shall see. You like apples? Just stabbed your squire. How you like them apples? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus. All right. That's all I got, man. Same. Yep, Jungle Cruise out Friday. So I'll be we'll be watching it because Grayson will want to watch it. So I just don't know if we're theater or Disney plusing it. I heard that maybe after this movie, Disney might be doing away with Premier Access. That'd be a shame. Crying but, shame. Yeah, but that's just the talk. There's yeah. nothing confirmed yet, but be interesting. I mean, they made sixty million off of um, Black Widow first week, so it'd be kind right. of. Uh, I don't know if that'd be a good move for them. <laughs> you know, cause you still maybe that'll make it situational. Yeah, and you got people still not wanting to go to the theater, so that's a good option for them. And um, I don't know. Maybe they should drop the price down to like the normal nineteen yep. ninety nine. Do that. Because I think that's the biggest thing. It's like. Everything else is $20 rental for mm-hmm. in-theater movies, and here you are adding a, another 10 And then it's not on other platforms except yours until maybe after a month or so. Right. And it still has that $30. It's crazy. So I'm wondering, yeah. like, if I rent, like a, like a Black Widow becomes available on Voodoo, and I rent yeah. it from there, does it unlock on Disney Plus as well, or do I just I'm just nope, getting that rental? Probably not. So, probably just getting that rental room. Yep. So they're monopolizing that aspect. Of course they are. Yep. The Mouse House. Yep. Yeah. Well, they don't do anything to mess up the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> Secretary. <laughs> that's their biggest uh, that and Star Wars is their big yeah. money maker so yeah. they need to get re- acting right especially Star yeah. Wars they're like the number one and two movie franchises and it's yeah. all Disney so I'm like y'all need to get together yeah yeah exactly alright buddy alright thank you everyone for listening and we will talk to y'all next week thanks for listening if you enjoyed our show and have a moment please rate and review it helps us out a lot also recommend us to someone that enjoys movies or also has kids you can find us on twitter at pa movie podcast and on instagram at parental underscore advisory underscore movie underscore pod be sure to join our facebook group Parental Advisory Movie Podcast and join in on the fun.